Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Braden Hall. He's Matt Payne, your director of scouting here in North Carolina. Matt, great week of baseball, great week of a great day of action yesterday as we're shooting this on Wednesday. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Good to be back on. Yeah, lots of stuff going on, and we're gonna we're gonna try and dive into it a lot. I, you know, the first thing is we updated our 2024 rankings yesterday, and we don't even have that on our agenda. So. If you're interested in the rankings, interested in the player rankings, hop on over to the website and see that. But, Matt, let's start with, uh, you know, championship. It's championship time. Rings are being de- delivered. Trophies being given out. And this past weekend was really big for Region 10. Um, you know, let's start you know, with the, the Division Three guys. I know Caldwell came in. I think they were ranked number six in our national poll. Beat up a little bit uh, and upset in that tournament. And um, who, who eventually won that one? Uh, I believe it was Paul D. Camp out yeah. of Virginia. <clears throat> they'll represent those guys. that one. Uh, so they'll move on to their uh, – Caldwell come in a little little banged up for the tournament, had some late season injuries, and uh, just lost at the wrong time. Well, and it's important. I mean, we they had a great year. I mean, you're, you're ranked in the top ten in the country most of the year, and you know, but it's, it's one of those things that we are constantly fighting is how do we peak at the right time. And I think the high school clubs are doing that right now. We saw some of it last night with, you know – maybe some pitchers that needed some downtime for one reason or another, and, and they weren't peaking last night. They struggled, and now all of a sudden we're in the bullpen earlier than we wanted to be in an elimination game. Um, you know, same offensively. Are, are, are our guys really dialed in? Are we executing at the highest level? Are we playing defense at the highest level? Because of that little bit of, you know, sense of insecurity, especially in an elimination setup, tends to kind of create uh, a stress, and nobody plays well with that stress on them. Yeah, you know, and you have to have pitching depth this time of year, and I don't know that that was Caldwell's strength. You know, it was an offensive-heavy team all year, and, uh, you know, the bats went quiet on the wrong day. Let's move up to the Division Two. <coughs> excuse me, Division Two tournament. Um, you know, played in, out in Moorhead, um, you know, the Big Rock Stadium where you were for spring break, and, you know, watching all those games out there. They hosted the Division Two, did a great job hosting from everything I've heard. Um, you know, Pitt, Brunswick. Lenore, Catawba Valley, all these clubs come in, and Lenore walks away with the title and a chance to advance into their region, uh, regional play. The shot to go to the World Series here coming up. Yeah, I thought that tournament was as wide open as as any of the JUCO tournaments in our area. Uh, several of those teams, you know, a lot of up and down throughout the throughout the year for those teams with the divisions being split, and uh, you know, great job to for Lenore with having been down the last few years and new head coach goes in there and builds it back up and uh, they knock off Catawba Valley to win the region 10 D2 tournament. Yeah, coach Gary Smith spent a lot of time at Newburn high school. Both you and I probably, you know, I know I did. I'm sure you did recruited players off his clubs when he was at Newburn. Um, you know, a, a baseball guy, uh, you know, he, he loves the game. He loves being around it. We actually ran an event out at Lenore right after <clears throat> his first year there. And he talked about, you know, some of the needs they had and some of the things they were doing and some of the ways they were going about recruiting. They expanded their recruiting base a little bit, got up and down the East Coast to kind of pull in some talent. And obviously it's worked. Um, You know, I think, you know, with Catawba Valley coming back, with Pitt being a mainstay, with Lenore now moving up into those ranks, with Brunswick being a mainstay, you start to see Region 10 you know, pushing these clubs to have a little bit better chance to succeed if they get to that next stage, that, re- that, that super regional type deal, 
that World Series stage. Um, you spent some time at the junior college level. Talk about that level of play and that jump that you saw being in Region 10 and then when you got to the national stage, because I think you went to a World Series, right? We, we did go to a World Series. Um, I think if there's there's eight teams in the World Series, I think our, our region typically matches up with with four to five of those. And then you have, you know, three powerhouses in there every year. In, in the D2, it seems to always be LSU, Eunice. Yeah. Uh, there's a club that comes in from Arizona, and then there's always a uh, an upper Midwest team or a Northeast team that, that trots in with some arms. And um, you, you got to have pitch and depth to compete in it. And, you know, when we were out there, we were – we were in every game, but uh, you could definitely tell the difference in the teams that go every year versus, you know, some of the teams from here that are going once every three to four years. Yeah, we um, talked about it as a staff when I was at Charlotte. You know, we, we made a run and we went out to Arizona State in a regional and we got Arkansas on day one. And we threw an All-American and he was really good. And we ran into a ball in about the fifth and all of a sudden we had a lead. We closed them out. We won three to two. You know, you show up the next day, you get Arizona State. Well, you're still online. It's still Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we throw our Saturday guy out there and we're in the game in the sixth. But the the things that we had experienced, the success we had experienced during the season, being in the Atlantic 10 at that time, was when we got to the bullpen, we our hitters were better than their bullpen arms. When we got to Arizona State's bullpen, they were still running out power arm after power arm after power arm. You know, plays that, that had been singles for us, moving the shortstop to his right, you know, as well as we ran, that was a hit, you know, 80% of the time during the season. Those were those were easy outs. Those were routine plays for their first rounder at shortstop. And that can kind of start to weigh on you because these things that have provided you success all year now are routine outs. And then when you flash forward to the next day, we got Arkansas again, and, you know, we saw a freshman, you know, who was 96 to 100. You know, we weren't seeing that on Sundays in the Atlantic 10. And so it's not that we weren't unprepared to see good arms. We've seen those. We weren't as necessarily prepared to see it day after day after day after day. Um, it, we were used to being rewarded a little bit on Sundays because the, the level of arm would drop a little bit. And I think that happens a little bit for Region 10 teams in the past. We look at what happened at the Division II level. You know, I, I think Pitt's been to the World Series and competed. Lenore um, has got their chance this year. Catawba Valley obviously has history. Brunswick typically is a very solid club that can make a run. When we've got four teams and maybe now a fifth team and a sixth team coming up, it gives these guys a chance week in and week out to play against competition that is going to prepare them for that national level. No doubt about it. That league, uh, as they've added teams, it's got deeper. And, uh, you know, used to could roll into the Region 10 tournament and there's probably three teams that had a shot to win it. Now you look at the bracket and it's more like, like five or six that, that have a legitimate chance to win it. And the, the East and West doesn't play each other during the regular season anymore. So you get that, that unknown down there. And I think it e- evens it out a little bit. Yeah. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting point you bring up there with the way the strength of the tournament has gone because pending seeding, especially when you're crossing the, the uh, East versus West, you could slough off in the past. We're going to throw our three. We're going to outscore. Even though they're throwing their one, we're going to outscore them in game one. We're going to have our one and our two still ready to go. <clears throat> you know, you look up trying to follow all the action um, there and being at day, day one in Lexington for the Division One um, tournament, everybody's throwing their guy right out of the chute. 
Um, you really weren't able to kind of lay off and say, okay, we're going to hold back and see what happens and see if we can't match this thing up because we have such an advantage in game one. You know, really the only school at Division One level that had a huge advantage in game one was Flodar, who won the league and got Sakahatchee, who, who was just outmanned in that game. I think it was a five-inning run rule. And, I, you know, honestly not positive completely what Flodar did with their pitching to line that up, knowing what was coming down the line. Because the other thing you got to think about is the, t- the guy throwing game one has a chance to bounce back to throw in the championship game. So, you know, pitching, pitching alignment, you know, things that coaches are constantly thinking about, those things are coming into play with the more talent that comes in. Um, and now we, we talk about more talent coming in. Let's move to the Division One level where, you know, Lewisburg was down a little bit but also got hurt with the scheduling. They, they missed a, a full series against, I think, Sakahatchee, who would have added probably four wins to their schedule. Flodars in our national rankings, I think, in the top ten. Gaston College's international rankings, I think, at 13. Um, SMC has got two really good arms down there in Spartanburg. And then USC Lancaster is just a really solid club, top to bottom, with some depth in their lineup. You know, again, Region 10's gotten better year year to year, but adding Gaston College has allowed that that region to take another step forward. I think. Yeah, and they've they've done a, that staff there has done a great job building that program up in a hurry, and they do a good job getting the D, Division One kickbacks. Uh, one thing that's interesting to me with the Division One is each weekend they play four game sets. Yep. So you gotta you gotta have some arms to get through that, and then I think some of those clubs that that battle that during the year, if they can get to that tournament and uh, win round one, they feel pretty good about the rest of it because they know they have have arms that have a lot of innings that you know they they can win a dogfight. Yeah, so it's seven inning games throughout the year. The, the two doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday. <clears throat> then you get to the tournament, you're playing nine inning games. I think that there's another aspect to that too of which pitching staff can adjust. Because I may take my three and plug him in as my stopper. My closer may play a bigger role in the tournament than he did at any point during the year. You know, being able to set those roles. And I think some of the coaches, even as they got towards the end of the line, because realistically their their regular season only determines seeding. It, it didn't play any other part. You don't get to a postseason off of your regular season with the way they're set up right now. So can I set my pitching up so it has a chance to be successful in that tournament? I thought Lancaster did a really good job with theirs. Uh, I thought SMC got off kilt a little bit because they played Lancaster in game one, ended up in extra innings, and then they rolled, they threw their one and they rolled their two out there to see if they couldn't secure game one. And it ended up getting into the loser's bracket and fighting back to see Lancaster again in the loser's bracket final. Um, you know, Flodar goes one and two. They win their first one and then just don't play well. And that kind of opened the door for Gaston to run right through the tournament. Um, they get to the championship. They lose to Lancaster on day one, bounce back yesterday on Tuesday, 11 a.m. game, and win a 5-3 to three game. One of the things I was impressed about throughout the tournament is there really weren't a ton of blowouts. You know, they were well-played games that were, you know, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. The game was still on the line. Yeah, a lot of close games down there, and uh, it's always exciting when you see those bracket play tournaments go to the, the do-or-die last game with, you know, the – team coming through the loser's bracket having to win two and you know those teams forcing forcing that game two and uh in the division two or division two and division one tournaments so look look on lenore's website look on gasson's website they'll tell you what their next steps are i know i think both of them have a super regional type setup now um and i and i could be wrong a little bit about that because 
there were some screwy things that happened up and down the East Coast of Junior College Baseball this year. But I think both clubs are one more step away from the World Series. I know Gaston's going to be hosting um, probably a team out of Maryland. Um, and so that may be this weekend. And that, that's got a chance to be a best of three in a really good series. And, um, you know, wish all those guys in Region 10 best of luck as we continue to follow them. But, Matt, it's uh, it's time to turn our, our, our focus to high school baseball in the state playoffs round one. I know we had a bunch of scouts out last night, a bunch of coverage on our Twitter page. <clears throat> Where did you go? What did you see? <clears throat> uh, uh, slid over to North Lincoln uh, Hickory for a, a round one 3A matchup. Um, both teams are in the same conference. They split their regular season uh, series. Uh, North Lincoln got the got the one nothing win. Uh, you know, Hickory was kind of been the story of their year, you know, kind of kind of one swing or, or one play away uh, from from having an outstanding season. And uh, North Lincoln threw a sophomore left hander, Kellen Carr. Mm-hmm. He threw six and a third. I think he punched eight, uh, you know, stayed around the zone all night. And uh, North Lincoln made plays. Uh, I, I like I like their lineup. And, you know, I think that says a lot about you know, that conference there, you know, they had several teams win last night and those two got matched up with each other. And it was a, a one, nothing playoff game. And Hickory had a base runner on in, in the seventh and North Lincoln escaped. Yeah. No, the only thing about that one I don't like is the conference clubs playing each other in the first round. I'd like for them to find a way, <coughs> excuse me. I'd like for them to find a way out of that so that we're not seeing that. That's, you know, again, a, a good league that has produced state champions. I would like to see that league be rewarded a little bit. If their three is better than some other clubs, other, other, you know, conferences ones, um, you know, and again, good game. We'll see how North Lincoln kind of prepares for that next one too. For myself, I was at Huff and Myers park, um, the Mint Hill Seahawks. We had a, a rivalry game last night. So as soon as that game got done, I was able to bolt out of there. But I looked like the, the Lily coach on ESPN because I had the collared shirt and the khakis on coaching T-ball. Um, rolled, <laughs> rolled right out of there. Mike. It, it, it was different. <laughs> the opposing coach, who we've played a couple of times, and she's a really good lady and has done a great job with her club. Um, and they've gotten her kids have gotten better. She was she was giving me a little bit of a hard time coming out of the business office for it. But um, I got over I got over to Myers Park in a third in a two to two game. Jackson Matthews had already left the yard. Um, Tyler Baird had started for Huff, um, probably a little bit limited at ha- having missed a couple weeks. Um, and uh, Myers Park did a good job, kind of forcing him to stay in the strike zone, building some pitch counts, putting some stress on him and forcing Huff to go to the bullpen. Um, and Huff, you know, did a good job. They ran out several arms um, in between Baird and Nesta that kind of gave them a chance. They went Nesta to Max White. Um, and execution on, the, on both sides was kind of at times. But, again, it was a stressful game. It was a chirpy game from the stands. I thought the kids and the coaches did a great job. The stands were chirpy. Um, you'd like to see that limited a little bit. But, again, it's heightened atmosphere, and I thought the players did a great job handling it. Um, uh, Huff took a lead in the top of the sixth when um, Myers Park intentionally walked Jackson Matthews to put the go-ahead run on first. And then I'm going to get the name right here, and I know the name, but Jake Menerick, a junior at Huff, Took an 81-mile-hour slider and freaking planted it off the wall. I mean, an absolute screamer. 
cleared the bases, three runs score. Huff goes up, you know, takes the lead, and immediately Myers Park comes back. Great at bat to, to work a leadoff walk. You know, they're showing bunt. I think they end up walking. I think they put a bunt down. Maybe that was the only ball put in play. But Myers Park scores three runs immediately answering back. They had already gone to their closer. Uh, Charlotte commit. Uh, Jim Johnson, 88-91, 2,200 spin rate, slider, 78-81. Sprayed it a little bit early, but as he got to pitch 15-20, he started to dial the strike zone in. He's got a chance to throw kind of a hard sinker. Um, so he's going to be an interesting follow as he gets to Charlotte because they do a pretty good job you know, with their with their stuff and uh, saying some of the analytics that they look through. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays out. But that sets up Myers Park and Weddington. Weddington had a big win, I think, scoring 13, 14 runs over Mooresville. And so, again, you're going to see Charlotte teams kind of knocking each other off, moving through this bracket. Yeah, there's a, a lot of good matchups heading into round two. And, you know, you kind of go through who won and you can see the the strength of, of some of those conferences. I think every team in the central Piedmont 4A with East Forsyth, Davey, Reagan, and West Forsyth, all those clubs won in round one. Uh, which, which brings you up know, you East got, Forsyth and Davey playing in round two. Yes, and I saw them. Uh, they they played each other uh, last week. I was there for for the Central Piedmont 4A tournament. Davy knocked them off. Uh, Davy's got a quality quality lineup, and uh, you know East Forsyth's you know scuffled some here down the stretch, and that'll be uh that'll be an interesting one in round two right there. Well, Reagan Reagan got by South Mech 1-0. They get Audrey Kell next. If they beat Audrey Kell, they get the winner of Davy and East Forsyth. So we could be looking. You know, all the way into you know, depending on how how Reagan does, we could already have one conference represented in in the regional final, just because of the way it's going to play out. Um, you know, another conference that seemed to have done well. I, I know, I think Sun Valley lost to Audrey Kell, but Cuthbertson uh, beat Watauga, Watauga, a club that we really liked throughout the year. Uh, Weddington won. And then Porter Ridge played pretty freaking good against Providence. So I think they go two and two. But, again, the seeding and, and some of the teams they're playing, <clears throat> different types of matchups, um, you know, can play. Marvin out. Ridge against uh, Northwest Guilford last night was a was a back-and-forth game. I think Marvin Ridge is in that, that same league. Yep, and, that's right. You know, lost nine, to eight, lost nine to eight to Northwest Guilford. And I think they had a four-run seventh inning and – it came up just short. Well, and that was one of the things we talked about with Northwest. We, we know that they have a chance to score runs, but there's going to be a team that maybe presses their pitching staff a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see what does that do to them for Friday. You know, can they bounce back some of those arms and still have them, you know, be in, in, in really good shape to throw it, you know, kind of and peak their performance in a, in a do-or-die game. Um, the other the, – the one of the key matchups I saw in that – we talked about Northwest Guilford – they get West Forsyth next. I don't know who West Forsyth threw last night. I've not been through their box. Um, but West Forsyth got by Charlotte Catholic, a really gritty club, 5-4. So now they get Northwest Guilford. I think that's one of the games to watch because either of those clubs could get hot and win this whole thing, and here they are in the second round playing each other. Yeah, I believe West Forsyth threw uh, Harrison Lewis and Grayson Jones last okay. night. Uh and West Forsyth the club's got some toughness to them. Uh, you know, the, the I think the winner of that matchup, you know, they, they got the winner of Alexander Central and Providence. So that's 
that's kind of a wide open side of the bracket for me right there with with those clubs and seems like they all they all have a strength but they also have you know a pretty glaring weakness in there as well let's move over to the east of the foray um <clears throat> one of the things that jumped out to me and, and we're going to go through a little bit later some of the some of the picks that we made but i picked wake forest to make a run that's wake forest the best best club i've seen i haven't put my eyes on east forsyth i know you've seen them um but but top to bottom front end of the year to the back end of the year the way they would that's the best club i've seen um they played wakefield in round one which they saw a decent arm they saw a lineup that has a little bit of depth they win five nothing now they get fuquay you know a team that's got this expectation on themselves this is what we do at the end of the year we make runs in this tournament so you know fuquay battled ashley they they, they kicked an extra point late won 14 13 um but now wake forest gets fuquay if they win that game they get either Middle Creek or Hoggard. Um, you know, Hoggard's a, a, a tested club that's been through the, the same conference as New Hanover, hasn't wilted, hasn't shied away from competition. And Middle Creek's another club that we've had in our top five of the Power 25, you know, throughout most of the year. So, you know, the team I, the team I picked to, to get to the finals, to win the whole thing, it's not exactly an easy path because they're seeing – Power Power 25 club after Power 25 club after Power 25 club. And I do want to brag on you for a minute. How'd your Power 25 do last night? Uh, I think we run defeated <laughs> unless I missed somebody. First, I think it's the, the first Tuesday night they've all won after you know, Monday release. <laughs> and obviously that'll that'll – That'll change in round two with them, them playing They're all going to play but, each uh, other. But, you know, again, the, the, the tournament goes so fast being simil, single elimination that these matchups are going to happen very, very quickly. You know, as we continue to look on the east side, Apex Friendship got a 9-0 win. Um, Luke Kimrick, perfect game yes, for, for those guys. Really, and I saw a little bit of video on it. I saw a report from one of our guys on it. He was just fantastic. So congratulations to Luke. And, you know, now, now the, the tournament rewards you. Here comes Corinth Holders. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just never ending. I am in, you know, one of the clubs that we have is, is a, a team that could win this thing, Pinecrest, is getting Millbrook in the second round. Now, obviously, I'm a little partial in Millbrook's where I went to school. I got a chance to see them um, in the, host their own tournament during spring break. No pow- overpowering arms. But the chance to change looks, a chance to flood the zone with off speed, and Pinecrest is an offense. It's the offense that kind of makes them go, and so it'll be interesting to see if Millbrook can throw up a couple zeros early. You know, does that game get a little bit tighter late? Yeah, that's uh, you know Millbrook's a team that's playing hot right now. Um, I know you picked Wake Forest. I told a coach yesterday if if Wake Forest wins the whole thing. They more than deserve to with the the draw they got in the bracket. Uh, you know they got Fuquay and then, you know Hoggers, a team that could be in the Power Twenty Five uh, lineups, got depth against Middle Creek, who's been there all year, who can swing the bat. And uh, you look at Chapel Hill Topsail right there too. Cooper Cavanaugh was outstanding for Topsail last night. Uh, Chapel Hill is a Power Twenty Five team, along with Topsail. That's that's a very intriguing matchup right there. So. You see a lot of a lot of heavyweights go down in, in round two on on Friday night just by how the bracket shapes up with matchups. Absolutely. Let's real quick uh, on the article we published on Tuesday, where you and I kind of go through all the brackets and make our picks. 
Biggest upset in round one, Matt Payne picked Apex Friendship over Pine Forest. Check. Brandon, I, I picked <laughs> Rollsville over Purnell Sweat. Check. I had a 24 over a 9. You had a 23 over a 10, so I, I win that round. Um, and, then, yeah. <laughs> and then our final fours, you still got T.C. Roberson, Reagan, New Hanover, and Pinecrest alive. I still have Wake Forest, Pinecrest, Myers Park, and East Forsyth alive. Um so getting through the 4A bracket after round one, we're in good shape. And I told a couple coaches yesterday, I said, don't put that kiss of death on us. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to go back and look at how we did last year. We were, we, you know, in terms of picking a, a single elimination tournament, we were pretty good at some of this stuff last year. We watched a lot of these teams play. Again, who knows who's going to freak out or who's going to get hurt or anything like that. But, you know, through round one and the 4As, we've been pretty good. You ready to move to the three A? Yeah, and I think, yeah, well, with that, I think you can look at our our power twenty five and teams we have in there, and that'll lose. You know, I think that speaks to the the depth of the the talent across the the four A four A classification. You know, and especially you get into the metro areas and you know the good teams there. And there's you know we've talked about it. There's a lot of teams that could easily be in there. It just hasn't you know worked out with some pole mechanics and things like that. But it's it's tough from round one. It's tough for all those guys in the four A. Three A, Ledford rolled West Charlotte. You know, God bless them. Two and fifteen, they come in. They got in the tournament. I don't know how that works, but um, I've seen them play, and they, they do play. They 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 play hard. So, um, but Ledford got Ledford. You know, rolled into the second round. Tuscola in a close game. Northwest Cabarrus, a 25 beats an 8, 13 to 2. And now you got a 25 seed versus a 24 right seed in the next round. Yeah, Northwest Cabarrus, B Hall pick right there. North Iredell, another team in the in the North Lincoln, Fred yep. T. Ford, St. Stephen's League. Yeah, Northwest Cabarrus is intriguing because they've got the twins, the two left handed arms. Um, then they've got, I think he's a junior, it's going to Campbell. They've got three arms. And. I, I, Joe does a really good job with, with his clubs. Obviously, he's had some players come through there with the Seager, the Seager brothers, all three of them. Two of them get to the big leagues. Um, the only one to win a conference player of the year, though, went to Charlotte and played for me. The other two can't say they did that. <laughs> <laughs> Corey didn't get a chance. But, um, you know, it, I, I think, and again, it, it's a conference <clears throat> that I, I think can groom people for the po- postseason because they see a lot of different styles of play. Um, and if they can just get relaxed and, you know, 13 runs in game one is a really good sign for that club because if they do score runs, they do have a chance to throw a bunch of zeros with their arms up. South Point and Ford, again, you've mentioned Ford. I think that's an, a very intriguing matchup in round two. West Rowan won two nothing over Franklin. They just are, they're older and they don't, they don't freak out. Uh, West Henderson laid it on Atkins. I haven't seen that box. My bet is Truett Manuel didn't throw. So North Lincoln's probably he did not throw. Say it again. Uh, Manuel did not throw yeah. last night. So North Lincoln, get it ready because you're going to see a really good arm. He may not start either, but at some point in that game, you're going to see him. Um, Easter Wayne shuts out Lake Norman Charter. They'll get Ashboro, St. Stephen's, and North Davidson. That's a game that's created a lot of intrigue um, just with some coaches and some friends that kind of follow high school baseball here. I've gotten several phone calls on that. Tell me a little bit about St. Stevens 
and, and what you've seen out of them this year with them being a little bit in your backyard? Uh, older club, uh, their ace, Peyton Young, threw one inning last night. He'll go on Friday, North Davison, through Mabe last night. So they're getting uh, – North Davison will run out – or should run out Braden Hill on Friday night, or that's the way it sounds. But St. Stephen's had a little bit of a struggle win last night. I actually texted their coach and joking around. I said, I hope you guys got that crap out of your system <laughs> last night because I got you guys picked to go to the, the, the final four there. But uh, that's a, that's a, a very uh, – interesting matchup right there and you know you get Peyton Young versus Braden Hill and uh you know St. Stephen's has made some runs the last few years so you know they've been there before and, and you know those guys play play hard for coach Bowman there and again that, that I think I think in a single elimination tournament having done it before relaxes clubs earlier they understand the game is seven innings they don't freak out in a the third there's still a ton of outs still to be had and so um you know, that can matter. When we turn to the eastern side of the bracket, uh, a bunch of games not played, to my knowledge. I, I know there were some storms that rolled through. I know South Brunswick got through, but they got past Cedar Ridge 4-1. to one. Um, Lee County, I'm guessing they threw Walker McDuffie against Person, um, and they, they rolled 7-0. Lee County and Terry Sanford, that's an intriguing, that's an intriguing matchup. Uh, both do a pretty good job top to bottom of their staff throwing strikes. You know, Lee County has a legitimate bona fide ace. I think Terry Stanford has one kind of developing, um, but they kind of they, they rely on we're going to play defense, we're going to put pressure, we're not going to strike out, and, and kind of who plays that game better may advance to the third round with those two. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big time matchup right there. First flight got past Southern Johnson, South Johnson again. When first flight wins on the road, that's they got they got to travel. I mean, that's that's a Manio, North Carolina is a long way away from everything. Um, so get on kudos to them getting on the road. But turn around Friday, they're going to go on the road again. They're going to see Southern Lee, which is a club that you and I have talked about here at the end of the year. You know, kind of clicking at the right time. Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe you had them to win it all, maybe in your. And your picks there. It's a, it's a it's a club with with three with three arms that uh, they play the game the right way, play the game hard, um, you know. And then you know, first flight they they threw the Miles kid last night and got a road win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they they match up going back on the road against a good Southern League club. Our our buddies at West Johnston, heartbreaking defeat, Cape Fear, hats off. Uh, walk-off home run in the seventh and round one of the, the state tournament. I've seen lesser things create state champions. So just keep an eye on Cape Fear. You know, there's sometimes magic happens. Um, and, and that was kind of a magical Mason, at bat. Mason Hughes there, too, has had an unbelievable year for those guys. Uh, left-handed hitter, infielder that can swing it. Now let's go back, and I'm going to look at our picks here. Let's see, 3A, you had Carson over Eastern Guilford, a 27 seed, check. I have Franklinton over West Carteret. You're you're doubting me on that pick. Um, but I think they're going to end up playing tonight. You said West Carter, or Franklinton actually had to travel to West Carteret before they banged that game last night? I heard that they made the trip all the way to West Carteret, and then it got yeah, banged. So if they so, don't win, I, uh, may get, I may get a mulligan on that one just because of that. So... Hey, they, they may go in there, you know, mad too. Yeah, that could happen. <clears throat> Your final four, St. Stephen's, West Rowan, J.H. Rose, and Southern Lee. 
my final four sounds similar to start. J.H. Rose, Southern Lee, and then the one club we just talked about, Northwest Cabarrus and West Henderson. I, I like what the bracket does for Northwest Cabarrus if they can get out of this round because I think their pitching has a chance to match up with Ledford. That's That was kind of the, the deal there. Um, but I think the 3A is just absolutely wide open. At some point, somebody's going to play well on the road um, and, and pick up a key win there, and that's going to be the difference between who the state champion is and who isn't. Um, any any final takeaways in 3A as we move forward? I think the 3A West is, is so wide open. Yeah. I think, you know, we could have picked a lot of teams and you know, had a really good shot to be right with those guys. We'll go to the 2A. And, again, you get some of the schools here we haven't seen quite as much of. Um, but, really, the bracket, for the most part, kind of kind of played to form. West Stanley with a big win over West Lincoln sets up West Stanley and East Rutherford. I think that's got a, a, a 5-12 matchup there. That's a very intriguing matchup. I like West Stanley. RS Central, they're, they're understated as a 13. Um, and they get West Stokes. West Stokes is going to run out decent arms and has seen good arms and it's not going to be, uh, you know, overwhelmed by anything. But I think it's interesting, you know, West Stokes gets the four seed, R Central's the 13. I think some of that was just because of the way they finished in conference play maybe. But I think home field may play a, a pretty big, uh, uh, pretty big importance there. Another matchup, East Surrey, <clears throat> who beat West Davidson yesterday 4-0. I've not seen the box. I do not know if they threw Boaz. And Moorhead, who beat Hendersonville 4-3. I'm guessing Moorhead threw um, Anderson. Anderson. No, he was uh, – if I saw it right, his outing was light. Okay. So I don't know how much he will have on Friday, but he will have uh, He will have something. Well, baseball aficionados, if you want to go see two really good arms – um, East Surrey may be the spot to be. And it's an interesting spot to watch a game because the field's kind of sunk in and they've got some bleachers up by the uh, tennis courts that are on top of a hill where you're really overlooking. You're about 30 feet above the hitter or you can go right down next to the netting with a chair. Uh, it's a really unique setting. They do a great job there. Um, concessions was pretty good, but you're going to see two, you got a chance to see two really good arms there. Um, Mount Pleasant, Upset, quote unquote, Madison. I thought Mount Pleasant was a little underseated. Um, Shelby over North Stanley, 1 0. That one's a little shocking, but again, Shelby's played a good schedule. I know Burns, they saw Burns a couple times this year, so they were prepped for that. And Randleman rolled over Reedsville, and they'll get four bush on the next round. As we're looking at the 2A West, anything pop out to you? Uh, West Stanley, East Rutherford, Friday night. Uh... You know, baseball's big down in East Rutherford, uh, well-coached club, and then uh, Power 25 team in West Stanley who's, you know, seems to can do it all or have done so far this year. I think that's a, that's a big matchup. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. if you, Again, if you're in that area and you want to go see a really good game, that's one to go to. Get there early because the seating, again, you're up above the field. They've got bleachers down both sides, um, and then home plate's tight with their – excuse me, home plate's tight with their press box, um, but get there early. And and the other thing I'll tell you, West Stanley's field is always immaculate. I haven't been there quite yet this year. I've seen some photos. They do a terrific job manicuring that place. And so it's always nice to walk in because the field's striped, the lines are straight, 
Um, and it kind of gives you that sense of kind of being in a big time environment, just walking onto that field. So uh, completely agree with you. There. I was going to ask if they, if, if they Photoshop those pictures or if they have a, a ground screen. There, <laughs> he it does looks, a good job, man. It always looks, it looks clean there. So clean. When we go to the East, <clears throat> we pl- kind of stay true to form again with the games that were played for the most part. Midway is going to face East Blade, and that's going to be an interesting game. Midway's got multiple arms that have struck out a bunch of guys this year, um, kind of led that team. East Bladen's top four in their lineup can wreak some havoc. It's They're athletic. They've got some quick twitch. They've got some power. You know, So don't be shocked there if East Bladen jumps out early and Midway has to play kind of uphill um, you know, in that game. Um, yeah, I'm scrolling through, again, several games in this area. Got rained out. Uh, South Lenore, North Johnston will play. Farmville Central, Southwest Edgecombe. Green Central, 4-1 win over St. Paul. St. Paul is typically a club that's very athletic, chance to, to kind of play force you to play differently. And Green Central kind of passed that test yesterday. So um, anything on the East, I know we're light on games over there. There's going to be some games played tonight, Wednesday, as we, as we are filming this. Anything on the Eastern side that kind of stands out at you? I uh, heard a lot of good things about Green Central. Yep. Um, I, I think two A gets a little bit tougher to predict with so many split conferences, and the the seeding gets out of whack. So a, a lot of things happen early in those brackets that uh, you know, can can change things late, and you get a surprise team in there. Did East Burke? You had East Burke over East Davidson. Is that did that game get played? <laughs> oh yeah, it got played. East Burke got beat ten to nothing. nothing. So, okay, I was just you know, making sure I read that yeah, right. Yeah, they lost. So. Lost <laughs> and then I had Mount Pleasant, although <clears throat> you're up in the 26s and 27s with most of your picks. I took 22 over 11, Mount Pleasant over Madison. So <clears throat> that's one of those places where I think the split conference seating, um, that hurt Madison. I don't know that Madison deserved to see Mount Pleasant right there out of the chute. Uh, your final four, Randleman, West Stanley, Green Central, and North Lenore, all still alive. Mine, Midway, Green Central, West Stanley, and Randleman, all still alive. And again, I think those two final fours could both happen. I think all those those regional finals, if they did happen, would be great matchups. Um, whereas in years past, the 2A, I think Randleman had such a lock on this with the talent they had on their roster. It's not that they've dropped a whole lot. It's that there's that some of these other rosters have a lot of talent. Um, you know, there's arms at West Stanley. There's arms at North Lenore. Uh, Green Central, top to bottom, from everything we're hearing, is they're, they're just a really good club. So I think it's going to be really intriguing as we get into our regional finals here. These could, these could be some of the better final four games that we see across the entire tournament. Yeah, and it's – I mean, Randleman's won two in a row, I think. I mean, it's hard to win one, even harder to win two. And how do you win three? Right. You know, it's be something to follow. And we'll roll through the one I hear, Cherryville. Cherryville's got a chance to, to, to play at a very high level through here. One of the teams for me to watch, Union Academy, right here in my backyard, put down a beautiful brand-new surface, uh, made a run to, I think, the regional semifinals last year. So they've been through this tournament and played well. Uh, they advanced the second round. Um, Highland Tech advances the second round. Good to see them playing well this time of year. Um, you are a charter down year last year, new coaching staff in. They seem to have bounced back. Uh, 12-0 win over Queens Grant. They'll get Bishop McGinnis in the second round. Um, and go to the East real quick. And again, one, two, three, you know, several games <clears throat> not completed. North Duplin, 
Um, gets by East Columbus, a little tighter maybe than some expected. Voyager will get Oxford Prep. Uh, Roxborough Community, again, a club that has made some runs in this tournament in the past. We'll get East Wake Academy. And then one of the things I saw was, you know, again, um, interesting. I think the only state champion we had losing the first round from last year was uh, Perquimans. They lose to Chatham Central. Chatham Central and Chatham Charter will play here in the second round. And, I, and I've got family that lives in that area. I don't know about the baseball teams, but I don't know that the two schools necessarily see eye to eye on a lot of different things. So, you know, a rivalry game right there in the second round. Um, anything pop out to you here in the 1A? Uh, missed it here. Uh, Drone, a team in the West. Uh, Coach there's done a, a great – it's fairly new school. He's done a great job building that program up. Uh, you know, would, li- would like to see them make a run in it. And, you know, we all know about baseball and charitable. And, uh, the, you know, you got to get through them to win the West. You had Mountain Heritage over Highland Tech. And so you missed on that one. Did although, not happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's right. I'm pointing them all out now because I have no idea what my bracket's going to do <laughs> later this week. And then my game didn't get played. All four of your state finalists, <clears throat> regional finalists, are available with Cherryville, Drawn, Wilson Prep, and Chatham Charter. And my four, North Duplin, Roxborough Community, Cherryville, and Uarty Charter, are still available. So, in terms of our final four picks, you know, again, we're like, kind of like the Power 25. We ran the gamut right there. Um, you know, maybe we need to head out to Vegas and see what we can do out there because uh, we're, we're reading we're reading the tea leaves right <laughs> right now. Um, overall, looking at just the, the setup of these tournaments um, and having attended the game last night and looking forward, what, what's kind of a big takeaway for some of these road teams to have a chance to knock off some of these home teams as the tournament gets deeper? I think you can look at how teams won in round one. Like, you you know, you spoke on the walk-off home run or, or winning a close game. Uh, you know, Reagan getting the no-hitter, winning one nothing against South Mech. Little things like that to where uh, you got to fight a little bit in round one, kind of sparks some momentum heading into round two. And then I know we've talked about it before, but, uh, you know, you get weather. You know, like uh, Franklinton going to West Carter Red or, you know, you start getting some weather on Friday or early next week, and it uh it pushes some games together with the scheduling. It it, it can screw with some teams' bullpens and matchups, and it may allow a club to to throw an ace, you know, when he wasn't supposed to throw, and you know, then uh, brackets fall apart and teams make runs. Yeah, I know. There's the we we cover the NCIS AA as well, which is the independent schools with. You know, they got four four different levels of classification. So your Curvance Academies, your the Burlington School, uh, Wayne Country Day, Charlotte Christian, Metrolina Christian, some of those clubs have been in now the Power 25. <clears throat> Their tournament started yesterday. But with the way all those tournaments are set up, most of the teams that really have a chance to win those tournaments were giving buys or double buys. So some of those, you know, the teams that really are at the top of the, those rankings and ratings won't play even until Saturday. Um, but they're going to go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I think it gives the teams that have higher seeds a significant advantage, you know, because kind of from a pitching standpoint, the only thing you'd lose the advantage of is that ability to kind of get into the tournament and have that, okay, we've played a game. We got it out of our system. We know what the deal is. Um, what I don't like about some of the seeding, and again, trying to figure out how they did it, is, is going down a rabbit hole I'm not just not going to spend time on. But a team that finishes fourth in a conference, 
has a higher seed than the conference champion. That doesn't make sense to me. And I think it's a travesty that a you know a Covenant Day won their league title and won their conference. And I know Charlotte Christian is extremely good. I know they played a great schedule. But inside that conference, they are, they are being rewarded for finishing, I think, fourth. Maybe, maybe it was third. But they finished behind Covenant Day, behind Providence Day. But they ended up with a better seed, I think, than both of those schools. And so Covenant Day got a single – Covenant, did Covenant Day may have played. No, Covenant Day got a bye, but you know their route is a little bit tougher than what Charlotte Christian's is, and you know Charlotte Christian got one bye. There are a couple schools at that level. Metroline Christian got two byes, so they won't play a game until Saturday. So, um, any quick thoughts on some of the independent school, the brackets that are posted, and you know what you're looking forward to with those independent uh, association teams? Uh, Metroline Christian has rolled throughout much of the year. And then Charlotte Christian, Charlotte Christian did not have a typical year for them, but they get a big win over High Point Christian to finish the year. And a uh, team that they win it all the time. They know how to play this time of year. So um, I, I still think you have to watch out for those guys in, in the 4A. Yeah. I think the 2A and the 4A are the two tournaments I'm most intrigued by. Um, I think the 1A will play out by seeds. <clears throat> You'll see Curvance Academy in the championship against somebody. Um the 2A, I'm interested to see Grace Christian out of Sanford, Wayne Country Day. Um, what does is, what is the Burlington School do with their pitching? I know they're being uh, protective of Tucker Highland, and they've, they've done a good job in terms of um, keeping him on a routine. You know, they're not babying him, but he's been on a routine. Guys have been able to go in there and see him, but, you know, they're not bouncing him back for big games. He's on his, he's on his schedule. And we'll see how that schedule works this week because they've got to play three games this week, I think. Maybe it was just two, but, um, you know, trying to get through that tournament, is there a point where they do bounce him back or do they leave him on his routine? And that probably exposes their bullpen a little bit. So, you know, just different decisions that teams have to make. And then how do the, team, how do the players, how do 14 to 17-year-olds overcome or adjust to those decisions? Um, you know, we saw it play out a couple of years ago in the state finals when, when an ace of a club didn't come back on short rest, you know, and there were team guys on his club that were not happy with it. But then there were also guys in his club that went, yeah, I've got a chance to be a millionaire. I'm not, I'm not coming back on short rest either, you know, and, and yeah. with that psyche and how do we handle that as a club? How do we handle as a team? What's our culture like? Because in, in the locker room, I think, you know, there's times when games can be won and lost in the locker room as people are discussing those types of issues. Yeah, and then uh, last year we had a we had an ace throw, I think, back to back days in the in the state finals, <laughs> yes, and they won it. <laughs> so, uh, the, interesting to follow follow that pitching pitching rules get a little bit different that time of year. Uh, but the way the the private school brackets are set up, it's it takes a little bit more managing there from the coaching staffs. And when do you hold your guy, and when do you burn your guy? Well, I know private school games <clears throat> will go on Thursday. We'll try to have this podcast up probably early Thursday. Uh, private school games Thursday. Public school games NCHSAA again on Friday. Um, Saturday we have our first event, you know, uh, the, our, our scout day with the dirt bags. So excited about being back out around talented players on the field, grabbing a bunch of information on those guys and starting to get information out to college coaches and pro scouts about the 24s, 25s, 26s, 27s. Hard to say 27s are now part of our realm of what we're in our scope, but it is. Um, you know, so we have a full week 
<clears throat> lots of action to see. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll give you, um, you know, closing thoughts here as we're as we're prepping for rounds two and three, and um, you know, kind of what you're excited to see. Uh, I think you go to the the four A East and the matchups on Friday night. Um, a lot of games that could go either way. Uh, you know, Jordan's Jordan's been hot. Won their conference tournament. They they go to New Hanover and got those guys. And uh, then Broughton and Southern Alamance got suspended for darkness yep. yesterday in the tenth inning. Uh, so the winner of that game gets Roseville. And uh, you know, then if I would say both of them threw their aces last night, so the winner of New Hanover and Jordan could get uh, Sam Harris or uh, Nathan Tigg in round three right there. Again, you know, and arms make the world go round. So that's a great point by you right there. Well, that'll be it for this podcast. <clears throat> Matt and I will be following state championship results. The brackets are going to be updated after every single day of, of play. Uh, check out Inside the Box for more in-depth uh, article on how games played out. When our scouts are at games and they write the game up, we'll have those game blogs going up so you can kind of dive into each individual game that maybe scouts saw. Scout blogs, videos, other things in there. If you like the, the podcast, remember to hit that subscribe button, hit that alert button so you're updated on as to when Matt and I are back on here and we post. For Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. We'll see you at the field.